This is a conversation with Mara Chance. Mara is an actress, writer, and producer who was named one of 2190's dream-chasing girl bosses you need to follow. We discuss her career as an actress, which began at age 13. We also discuss her time at Spellman, her time working as an apprentice for Mara Brock-Akil, creator of Girlfriends and The Game, and working as a creative with our dear friend Yara Shahidi. We talk about getting into the entertainment industry when you're not from L.A., getting used to working with people you idolized, why some child stars go off the rails, and my favorite topic, dating. This interview was conducted remotely, so my audio is a little better than hers, but hers is still clear. If you like this, rate, review, like, share, comment, and all that. Here's Mara Chance. All right, well, Mara, you look great. I was going to redo our, like, banter, uh, but... Okay. I said that she looked great, and she told me that uh, her hair hadn't been done in a while, but it, she's happy it's giving. <laughs> it's giving. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's appropriate for the podcast. Yeah, for sure. All right, so named one of 2190's dream-chasing girl bosses you need to follow, Mara Chance is an actress, writer, and entrepreneur with a rare ability to connect with audiences. Mara began her career as an actress at the age of 13, appearing on Disney's Ant Farm and numerous national commercials, Mara earned a BA in Comparative Women's Studies and Writing from Spellman. In college, she interned for several entertainment companies, including BET. Uh, after Spellman, Mara appeared on Bossip's We TV, providing commentary on all things pop culture, and also served as an apprentice to Mara Brock Akil, creator of Girlfriends and the Game. Mara also worked with Yara Shahidi, a dear friend to both of us, as part of Yara's production company. Today, Mara can be found in Los Angeles, where she works as a producer and consultant. So, is that awkward when people like read your bio to you? Um, sometimes it's just like, oh, wow. Um, I've done a lot before a young age and it's kind of like, when did I have time to do all this? Um, but not really awkward is more of like a, just reflective. It makes me a bit reflective. That's good. That's good. I don't know. I get awkward. Like when people read out your accomplishments, not that I'm not going to act like I have like all these crazy accomplishments, but I feel like when people read your accomplishments to you. You have quite a few. I have some, but it feels, I don't know. It feels like, I don't know, like self-conscious. But um, I so the format of this, the way I think about it is like there's probably some well, there's definitely somebody out there who's like, wow, like maybe looking at your Instagram or has met you somewhere and it's like, wow, Mara, like what Mara does is really cool. Like, I want to do what she does. Like, how does she do it? Right. And I think that so, you know, like kind of walk us through. Like, I think one thing I've been thinking about is that like in Hollywood, you meet a lot of people. It reminds me of like going to college, right? Like when I was in college, like I had a group of um six of us that were really, really tight. And we were all like, I, I, it was Harvard, so I was like mostly white, but we were all black, like black or African or whatever. And I would forget sometimes, like of the six of us, two of us, their parents also went to Harvard, right? But I, I don't, like, I wouldn't think about that because they just, like, I don't think of them as like, you know, legacies. Legacies, right. Like, yeah. And I feel like when you're in L, like when you're in LA, when you're in the entertainment industry, like you'll, you'll meet somebody and, and you'll be like, oh wait, you're like, your your dad's LL Cool J, right? Or like, you're like, basically you have an end to this industry, right? Like. Right, and they don't always have to be an actor or an actress. Like they could be more in the background, in the crew, and or right, yeah, in crew style. And like it's like, but like your dad, like is an elevator mechanic, right? And that's like that's a yeah. <laughs> an important job. But like your dad's not like a writer, like a famous writer. He's not like so. But no, you're, you know, my, you're, my family is not connected to entertainment at all. Like um, my mom is in the healthcare space, and as you mentioned, my dad is. Um, a former mechanic is retired now, but no, I'm actually like the first person in my family. Um, probably not with the first person to have entertainment pursuits, but definitely the first person in my family to be able to, um, turn an interest or hobby into my profession, um, in the entertainment world. 
So how did you, like, first of all, when did you first, like, when were you like, oh, like, this is what I, I want to work in this industry. I want to be, like, in entertainment. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, age, age nine. Age nine. Um, I met Kiki Palmer right off the hills of Aquila and the Bee. And uh, Kiki and I actually share a mutual mentor, Asha Kamali, who was at the time Kiki's choreographer. And being one from Chicago, Kiki's from Chicago as well, it was like, Oh, this is this is a thing. Like this is something like somebody like me can do. And um it was honestly I probably at the time was like a bit obsessive. Sorry, Kiki. Um, it's so crazy because we are now friends twenty twenty something years later. But um at that time I was just like engulfed in what she was doing and like oh my God, she's in Hollywood and she's on TV and she's in this movie and she's a young black girl that looks like me. So I, I had an, I probably had an interest in performing my whole life. I would say my parents will probably credit around probably like age three. I performed with Isaac Hayes. I hopped on stage at a concert they took me to. Um, my dad would take me to different like ele- um, elevator co- um, conferences or we went to the bike show a lot and the, um, the bike, the boat and the car show in Chicago. And I would always end up on a stage doing something. Um, and then around five, I started doing theater and like summer camps. And so around nine, I was like, oh, this can be a job. Um, which led me kind of to asking Asha, asking Kiki questions. And I had an aunt, um, a black aunt, if you will, but who was managing some older musical acts. And so she kind of was suggesting maybe, you know, trying to get agency representation, taking training. So I did that in the Chicagoland area really for quite some time until I was around 12. And then I went to an acting camp at UCLA. Um, I really don't recall how we found out about the camp, but it was just like really to expose children to the entertainment industry and like what that was like acting in front of the camera, which is very different from theater. And, um, from there I went back home for one year and then I went to another acting camp in LA when I was 13, right before my, well, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was 13. It was before I definitely I think it was my freshman year. I'm a year early. So that sounds about right. I was about 13, went to the camp. And at the end of the camp, we had a showcase for um, the performers to really just present to different um, casting agents, also agencies in general around LA, and really to get feedback on your performance. It was not to take your career somewhere. However, a few of us, including myself, ended up getting offers from agencies to be signed and to potentially pursue this career. So my family was kind of left with the question of like, well, she wants to do this. She has this opportunity, but like, we have a life. We have other children back in Chicago. Like, what are we going to do? And thankfully, the woman who owned, ran the camp, her name is Donna Jean Goheen. She was a manager for a few um, actors at the time, Ali and AJ Mashaka, um, Ryan Crest was, who was on iCarly. And she opened her home to me and a few other um, aspiring performers to live. They rent. She also brought training to us. And in short, I lived, I lived in Sherman Oaks. So funny enough, I'm actually up the street now in my life where I was when I was 13, when I moved out here. Um, so I moved into her home. We kind of, it was very much like a boarding house. Like it was maybe four or five girls of all ethnicities in a bedroom. We were all, a lot of us were doing commercial work. Some of us were on television shows. Some people were recurring, some just as a guest star. And so she really facilitated, um, me getting my feet really wet in this business. And I stayed with her probably about 
two and a half years, like sophomore, junior year, my senior year of high school, my mom actually moved here. Um, just really just to kind of help out. And like, I was like, I was tired of being in the boarding home and that continued. I still kept auditioning and things. And I had a deal with my parents when I first moved here that if I was not reoccurring on a TV show, I had to go to college. And so my eyes, my hopes, everything was set on getting, getting a TV show. And it's so interesting when you're in the audition circuit, if you will, you start off with, you know, an audition, you may have a callback. When you really start doing, um, really moving forward in the process of t- auditions for TV, you're taking meetings with people at the network and it's larger. It's still callbacks, but they become producer sessions and you're doing chemistry reads and you really can kind of see the goal um, in front of you. It doesn't seem as far-fetched. And I had two projects, um, my senior high school that I made it to essentially, I guess, the final round for those who are not in entertainment, but um, one of the more advanced producer sessions and didn't get either of them. Was it a screen test? Was it a screen test? Yes, we did. I did. I did a screen test, um, one for a show that became, well, actually three projects, one for a show that became uh, Dance Dance Chicago. No, it was called Dance Dance Chicago. It was a day of show, Kick It Up or Dance. Oh, goodness. It was her first Disney show. It was originally called Dance Dance Chicago. Um, another project um, called Zombies and Cheerleaders on Disney. And then a third project called The Walkers, which was um, a pilot that was being done by the Wayans brothers. Um, so I made it to various stages, some chemistry reads, some producer sessions. Um of all of those processes, I would say within the top three, it's usually by that time you're doing chemistry reads and camera testing. It's around one to three people. Uh, well, two to three particularly. So when both of those kind of fell through really all three, there was one a little earlier in my senior year. Um, but when those fell through, it was like, okay, I have to go to college. Um, you get to go to college. (laughs) No, you know, I come from a family that's very well educated, but college was not prior to wanting to do this. It was something I kind of knew I would do, but by the time it was time to go, I, I was homeschooled for high school. For the most part, I went to about one year of high school, my freshman year prior to moving out here. And other than that, like my life became all encompassed by this industry. Like I college wasn't even, a thought like I just didn't I just knew by then that I was going to be the star of a Disney show like it, it wasn't even a thing it was like yeah it would be nice to do maybe but like I'm gonna be working and making this dream a reality and that just it was not the the time for me and honestly it's so crazy looking back now that was over a decade ago um that going to college and not getting those opportunities when I deeply wanted them was one of the best things that could have happened to me. Um, granted, I'm sure I would have hopefully thrived in the environment and in that space, but even as a performer, I would say life experience is one of the best things that can aid to performance. Um, but also I think I wanted it for the wrong reasons. I, I enjoy performing and I still do now, but I think even the desire for like fame was a thing and just, I don't think my head was fully in the right place. And now in my late twenties, it's, it's very different. I, I've had such proximity to fame, um, and working not only with working on the network side, working in marketing, working right alongside talent, working alongside producers. I, 
I have found um, a lot of admiration for all the collaborators that make talent shine. And I think so often when we think of entertainment, we think of acting, um, we think of being in the spotlight, but there are so like, this is one of the most collaborative industries you can be in. Um, And then also, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, you're making me think of like, cause I can't imagine like one thing. And the only reason I want to do this show is that like, we think so much of just like the actors. Like I think that even like growing up, a lot of people think that the actors like write, like come up with their own lines, right? Like they just come they up just with everything. Them, they right? think they cast. They think that they are responsible for a show. Yeah, and I think that like one of the re- like one of the most beautiful things about working on Blackish was I just realized like this is like a whole economy. Like Blackish is like a small city. Like we have like all the you know Yara, um, uh, Kayla. Miles and uh, uh, Marcus, and like they they have to go to school, right? So we have teachers on set, right? We have people have to style the like we got we have stylists because people have people have to style Anthony. You have so medics like on set, people who drive have, on set, like everything. PAs, every, every single industry, every single industry is a, still a part of entertainment, and I think what you explained it, it's so well. It's like these mini cities; it's these ecosystems, and you literally need all types of hands. So you have your gaffers, and you have you know electricians for people who you know may not be familiar. Yeah, crafty, um, which is uh, food, your, like food, services. food, all of security. You have accounting who's making sure these people are getting paid. You, it, it literally anything that you can think of that happens maybe outside of this world. We utilize in this business. And so right. there's or so like, many uh, the ways to be deck. a part of it. Like literally, uh, sorry, like set deck, right? People who literally like, yeah. Hey, like let's put a stuffed animal in like, you know, if you're decorating, you're filming a children's room, let's put a stuffed animal there. Let's put a, a, a kid's book. Like people whose job it is just to decorate the set, people who build the set. So like, you know, obviously the writers. Um, and so, yeah, it's like a, it's like a whole village, a whole ecosystem. And I think, cause I know you in the context of like, you know, producing and like being more behind the camera. Like I completely forget you had this entire first career as like, an, you know, be in front of the camera. But I think that's like so beautiful because like, I think every, people want to get, get married to the idea of like wanting to be the star, but there's an entire ecosystem behind, you know, behind all these people. There's, you know, like I said, there's stylists, there's, there's PR, right? You, you can be, a, you can work in PR, you can work in, um, there's just so many, um, so wow. many, like, yeah, yeah Every, any, everything that you can think of can be transferred into the business of entertainment right and i think i think the other thing too like and i want you to talk about like because i came to la when i was 23 and i lost my mind like in the in like the scene and like the fame and like oh like where you know to, to like you know because I, I lived in nigeria until i was six so, like as a kid like Pac, biggie puffy snoop these are like the you know nas these like bigger than life figures um, living like as a little kid in Nigeria and then like, you know, going to college during that era of like Chief Keef. And also that's when Drake's yeah. coming up and like party next door in the weekend and like going to LA and it's like, oh, like wait, we're going to Drake's house after the club. You know what I mean? Like, well, like, oh, we're like, yeah. oh, that's just like, you know what I mean? I, I like was super, I mean, you knew, I mean, well, I guess we, we met like a little bit after I was like post me being lost in the sauce. But like I was so like you know like I can't imagine like that was me at twenty three like I mean moved moving to LA at twenty three so I can't imagine moving there at thirteen and like being like I think I guess two things can happen you can get lost in it or you can be so exposed to it that you get over it like faster like what was like your yeah I, I think you know I think I feel like the only time I was ever lost in it was meeting Kiki and I was an impressionable child. Um, not that she was that much older than me, but like I, and I, I vividly remember my parents having to sit me down and it was like, she's just like you, like, this is her job. And 
I really feel like I got figuratively slapped out of any type of like impression about celebrity right then and there. I still deeply admire some people's work, but like, I don't know these people. This is a job. And the more I'm in it, I realize like, this is a job. Like these are long hours. These are these things. And so even coming here um, and coming as a teenager and also kind of, I was working. It wasn't like I wasn't I may not have been the biggest star, but I, I danced on Victorious. And so I, I saw Ariana Grande coming up and all of these people where, you know, you're kind of watching them rise into these celebrities. But when you're, you're working alongside of them, they're kind of like your classmates. Like there's obviously like the popular kids at school, but it's kind of, you're not, it, it is not as impressionable as if, if you're removed from this industry. So I think coming into it, but also realizing that like I was a part of it in some way and that they weren't different. The only difference was opportunity. The only thing that separated us was somebody getting an opportunity. And when you go out, especially when you're auditioning, most of, I would say the large stars or the people who are coming into stardom now, or even at that time, the Zendaya, China and McLean, um, Kofi, I mean, it's so many people. I, we, we kind of grew up in this together. Like we're seeing each other at auditions. We're all of these things. So a lot of times when you're a lot of the celebrities that became celebrities, like we were grinding together. So I don't even look at it as any different outside of like, they get the job. And when you're up for these roles, you remember it's a thousand people going out for one job. Like it, it's, you know, it's, I guess I can liken it to like running for office in high school or running for prom queen or something like that. Like it's, you're all known, like you're all a part of the same thing. Only one person may, you know, be the the winner in that, but you're still a part of it. So I definitely feel like coming out when I did, um, was a, a really good thing. I, I, I don't know, had I not had as much experience and exposure young, um, what I would have been like coming in my twenties or coming straight from Chicago or not having, you know, having aspirations. Cause I saw somebody on TV versus like when I met Kiki, that was like a personal introduction. Like I, I got to see touch, you know, things like that. So it was a lot different than just being, um, inspired based on someone I saw through a screen. And I think that allowed me to see like the humanity in this. Yeah. I think also one thing you're mentioning is that like, you're, you you come from a good home, right? I think that like, I mean, recently like obviously like Aaron Carter died, right? And there's all this conversation yeah. about people like child stars, right? And like I like we know child stars, um, and I think that like I understand why the like I, first of all I do think we probably overstate how much leads to destruction because we focus on the ones that were destructive, right? We always focus on like the ones who went through a lot of turmoil, but like I don't I, they probably do like if you went through the statistics like child stars probably do have a harder time. But I don't think it's probably not nearly as bad as we think it is. But I do think that like one of the differentiators between the child stars who end up spiraling into drugs and depression and you know and, uh, you know suicide and things like that is like the type of home they come from, right? Like the fact that your parents kind of sat you down and your parents are like, yo, like these people are they're not any like you know first of all they were even they were present enough in your life to have that conversation in the first place, and that you were they had a strong enough relationship that you would listen. But also, you know, they, they, yeah. they would they would they would tell you that because I think that that's a thing that, that gets missing in these in these like tragic stories. I think that gets missing. But one of the things that really gets missing for so many is that this is a lot of people's parents' dream. 
and or it's a get rich, not necessarily quick, but a get rich thing for them. And a lot of times I know you and I, we both have personal relationships with the Shahidi family. I, I you know, they are all immersed in entertainment and to see that it's like, if they're not having fun with this, if they don't want to do, they don't have, this isn't Carrie and Ashin's dream for their kids. Like they have to want to do this. And I think so often you can see that when you go to auditions often where it's like kids have no desire to be in this. And that's very much their parents. And oftentimes you do hear, I I don't know if anybody's keeping up with like Drew Barrymore, really just in getting in touch with her inner child now because of just kind of the the upbringing that she had. Even she came from a family in this business. Um, But, you know, growing up in spaces where you, you kind of, you have to do this. Um, And you don't have the same kind of agency. Like I think for a lot of us or like myself, Yara's of the world is like we have parents who kind of are supportive of what we want to do, and well, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, go ahead. No, so I, I was gonna say like I think that's one thing that you haven't. That's one reason you haven't read any crazy stories about someone from Blackish like spiraling into you know like all four of them have such like they all come from good homes like you know parents involved and just like really good homes, and I think that you know a lot of times that's what ends up missing in these in these stories. But yeah, I mean, how that's, that's, I can't imagine, like, like, like I said, like that whole, like, what was, was there a moment where you were like, I can't, like, I'm in disbelief. Cause I definitely had certain moments like that, you know, when I first kind of was in Hollywood and work, like working in the industry, like more on the social side, right? Like when you're working, like, I can't like, like you were saying, like you work with these people, right? So you can't, like, I can't look at Tracy Ellis Ross or Lawrence Fishburne. Like she's like, they're like zoo animal, like the way they would, the public might treat, like if, if Lawrence Fishburne and Tracy walked down the street the mall somewhere like someone might try to take pictures or things and you know like, like bother them it's like I, I like i see them every day um or i you know i would see them every day but i think that like more you know on the social side when you run into like someone who you like idolized you know growing up or someone who was like you know like i remember like there was this era in la where like you would go to the nice guy or like delilah and like your entire yeah. playlist like your entire spotify rap is literally in the room right, right there and yeah so i can't yeah i can't imagine that at like 13 14 15 and you know what uh like what like keeping your head on straight and like keeping focused like i think that's one thing like really focusing like i i um you know like saying no to like the after parties because you have a a, a chemistry or, right? yeah yeah, you have, be, be, yeah like that that takes a lot of responsibility that a lot of people of that age don't have well i mean you know one there were some rules and regulations to an extent of like living in a boarding house and so and like everyone there was like working so like my proximity to people was in a work capacity. Like I really was not out like that. Um, so I knew the people, but it was literally because we saw each other auditions or things like that. Occasionally you'll go to birthday parties and um, you'll get to see some people. But frankly, I always, I wouldn't say always, but probably by the age of like 10 of knowing this, is what I wanted to do. It was very much like deja vu for me. Still to this day is. Nothing about my life surprises me. Nothing. I was not too far from Beyonce at like the NAACP Awards. I was working one year and I was just like, huh, like this is supposed to happen. Like this is what I've been working towards. And like, these are my peers. Like I admire the work they do. And I'm even a fan, if you will, but I don't see them on a certain pedestal. I just see them as, you know, individuals who channeled their talent. 
Um, but I really do see them more as just peers. And the thing you mentioned being there on Blackish and stuff, eventually you start seeing these people often. So it kind of just becomes normalized. Like being in LA, it's like, okay, like you just see the same few people all the time. Like even if you were excited in the moment and because you're in it, you can't be too forwardly excited. So some, I think even growing up as a teen, some of it was a fake it till I wasn't excited anymore a little bit. And then I, it became so normal that it really was just my life. Like it was just like, oh, I, I've done them. You mentioned Snoop Dogg earlier. I did a music video with Snoop and I, I know all of his kids and, you know, like and nothing, nothing about it became out of the norm because I was a part of that community. Even though I was not the known face that this, the public knew, these are all people that know me. Right. Well, there's there's that uh, idea of like act like you've been there before. So like, for example, like, you know, if you win a game in sports and like you you celebrate too much, it's like, well, have you never won before? And so I think that like the same thing goes in that industry where it's like you have to kind of act like you've been there before, even if you haven't. And like I definitely had that uh, transition like you just described of like that period where it's like you, you, you pretend that you're not excited. Like first of all, you're excited to meet whoever it is. Then like eventually you start to pretend that you're not excited. And eventually you actually, you actually aren't excited because you, you've met them a million times. Like it's, it's normal. Yeah. It takes out, it, it sometimes takes out the fun. Like I had a good friend and I went to the studio one day and um, we were in the studio with Usher, Chris Brown, um, Bow Wow, a few others. And one of my, my good, good friends, Brian Michael Cox. And so I'm, you know, bringing friends, a few friends over and we're literally just listening to music and stuff. And I had one friend and she was really, truly excited to meet Usher. And I think the other friends were kind of trying to maybe around people like that more often or trying to like kind of calm her down. And she and I talked, she's like, when am I going to get to meet Usher again? Like, and the reality of it is, is like, this isn't the world, like she isn't that deeply immersed in this that like, she's right. Like, we don't, we're not excited because there's some regular stuff, but it's like, yo, this is who, this is somebody's soundtrack. You know, they, there was a soundtrack to my childhood and I want to express to them that I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to get to be around them and, you know, all that. So it, that was such a cool moment. It was kind of like a kid on Christmas a little bit. And it's the fun pieces of entertainment that eventually it is like, this is work or this is, you know, it's just being around friends, but it is like, Oh, this is not shit that everybody gets to do every day. Like this is still, this is still really cool. Yeah, um, it's it's, I, it's so still I actually, really I, cool. I, I enjoy. That's one thing I enjoy is like one thing I used to I would enjoy is like bringing people who aren't like in that world like into that world because like you're kind of you're over it and you get to kind of experience it through their eyes. Like yeah. you know, it, you know, and it, it, it kind of reminds you like oh yeah, like this is like this is not normal, right? I remember one time yeah. speaking of Usher, like um. I super randomly watched the um, Mayweather McGregor fight at LA Reed's house. And like, I didn't have, like I had a, I have a rule, not a rule, but like any kind of big party night in LA, it's so easy for people to, to, to kind of everyone, it becomes like an arms race, like who's doing the coolest thing. And so I just don't like to, you know, if it's 4th of July, New Year's, Halloween, um, Labor Day, Memorial Day, I, I'm like, like I, if, unless, unless something's like super, super, um, solidified i'm not gonna like force it and so but i got invited to like uh watch the the fight at ellie reed's house it was like this this like i walk in it's like scotty pippen usher kanye kim uh and courtney i think and like 
And I was just like, this is so, but I, at that point I knew how to like, okay, like you can't like be a fan, you know, you're like, Hey, what's up? Hey, you know, Kim's like, hi, I'm Kim. I'm like, Oh, hi, what's up, Dom. Um, but like, like you can't, you know, you can't like react. Um, and also by that point you were kind of like a little bit used to it, but I think that, you know, bringing people around, it's kind of fun to, to see it through their eyes. But I think this is also just important because I think for people who, you know, like I said, I think that there's somebody, there's going to be somebody out there who's like, well, like what, what Mara does is kind of, is cool. I want to do that. And one thing, if you like are too much of a fan, it can mess up opportunities for you right like if you yeah like if you meet somebody like you know who you want to they feel like you don't they feel like you don't belong there there's um there's a line um ava duvernay said it in an interview and she said there's an air of desperation that some people have and unfortunately i don't want that like that's not conducive for a working environment frankly and i understand you know you are looking at it one way but you do have to you, you do have to keep a um, a level of composure, um, a level head to yeah, even they can't get tr- to be they, in these spaces. They yeah, they can't trust you, right? Because like, if you're gonna be like, if you're gonna do that, like, are you gonna leak a picture? You know, are you gonna like sneak a picture and like, are you gonna be like paparazzi? Like, you know, you can't. Um, so I think that as much as this is just like, oh, like, you know, I feel like sometimes almost like we're humble bragging, like, oh, we hang out with all these people. But I think that for somebody who is outside this world and who hopes to like, you know, work in entertainment, I think that like composing yourself and just, you know, acting like you've been there before, because like once you, you know, I'm not, I mean, I got, this is not always right. But like often once you ask for that picture, like do that really thirsty thing, like they just don't see you the same anymore. Right. Like they're not, they, like, well, they don't you see might you as that. a peer. They yeah. don't see you it, as a peer. Like you're not a part of the community. And it's interesting because like, I really don't, have pictures with anyone actually honestly the only person i probably have pictures with either the people who are my actually really close friends um or you know people i've grown up with like a kiki um or worked eventually with yara so it's like we're living on set and somebody's taking these photos but like i i really have no memories or no captured memories of so many things like people would have no clue the kind of places i end up with the, the kind of place i end up the, the people i end up around and it is something like you don't get to you if you want to do it more than once you really don't get to share it like it is if if you know you're never going to experience it again cool and i think that's fine but if this is something that you want to be in you have to start seeing yourself as a part of it yeah I, that's a great way to put it. i remember like I, I was like like so when i like i said when i first moved that first year year and a, probably like a year or two like i took pictures with like everybody like there's if you go on my like i archived a bunch of them because they're just like cringe <laughs> but like if you go on my instagram especially back then it's like me and Aaron, so dom so knows people dom know the people for real <laughs> yeah like, but, but at some point it's like no but at some point it's like wait like what do you like i don't have to take a picture every time i i like i'm with drake right like who am i trying to prove like who am i trying to pr- like what am i trying to prove and, and who am i trying to prove it to right um so i think yeah i think especially that, when you're there happen. especially when it's like this is something i do or i've done regularly it's like i'm here i'm here like like that's it yeah yeah exactly and then okay i guess transitioning so like you 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 know you had that experience also really quick detour when i was kind of going over your bio i was like wait do you just only work with people whose names rhyme with your name you know uh mara and mara you know i don't know if that's the virgo in me and um I don't, I don't know the self, the self-absorbed nature. I also have a little Leo in my chart, potentially. No, honestly, it just, that, that happened, uh, crazily, crazily. And I don't know, I feel like I don't have anybody else's name to, to rhyme with in the industry. So now I got to do it on my own. I, I can't, I came up under some of the best and now it's time to 
do it on my own. Yeah, it's uh, coming up under somebody is something that, you know, I think, like, I feel like I came up under Kenya, right? Like, he hired me for Blackish. And I think, like, coming up under somebody, it's always like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such a blessing, right? Because these are people who people would kill to work for. But then sometimes Absolutely. you're like, oh, like, you just like you see where they're at and all the things they can do, and you 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 want more, right? Um, oh yes, yeah. yes you do. It's <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a double, and you want it. You, you when you're a part of someone's journey, especially when you are, um, I can't say discovered young, um, but for lack of better words, discovered young um, in this business, you get to be around people whose journey you didn't really get to see firsthand. And so sometimes you're around them and you're around the money and you're around the fame, you're around the opportunity, you're around the ability to get green light projects in a way that like you have to put in the work to get to that space. And just because you're associated with them does not um, does not mean you have any less work to do than they yeah, may yeah. have done to get there. And that's always, I think, sometimes a, a big, big misunderstanding. I'm like, People I've been in, I'm with, they've been doing this for a very long time. And even now working on my own things, it's sometimes very difficult that I'm like, I'm used to getting to work with big budgets because Yara had a big budget. And he's like, I'm not Yara. I, I worked and I got to support that and facilitate that. And now I have to work long enough and earn my stripes and make my name large enough that I can demand those kind of budgets. Well, and you're they're, they're, you're also not entitled to their help. I think there were times I had to like kind of like there there been times I had to like I kind of check myself where I'm like whoa like you know maybe if I'm in between you know shows or I'm in between something and I'm like man like this this person who like is up here like why why haven't you know why aren't they like kind of we talk about this a lot yeah but I, well not that much um, <laughs> but I think no it's, it's, like, it's, it's a conversation you and I have had as I'm saying like yes it's something that has come uh, up because I think. No, no, no. I'm being a little bit facetious. But I think that you have to remember that, like, I, I remind myself that, like, people have, like, kids, they have, like, family, they have, like, pe- like people who are, who they've known for way longer than they've known you, right? And I think it's, like, you're, also, you have to, like, go out and get your own, right? You have to go out and do it on your own sometimes. Right. But also, like, you know, they've also given you kind of a platform, or, like, a pos- put you in a position already. But yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's like, having, like, a mentor, having, like, a mentor is, like, who's in that kind of position is, like, huge. And, shouldn't be understated, but I think there can be frustration sometimes when it's like, oh, like you could be doing more, but it's like, they have like, an entire, like they're probably, their phones are ringing off the hook, right? Like, and you're not like, yeah. the, like you're not the only person they know. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, so, so you, you went, you went back to college, you went to Spelman, which low key, I want to long term turn this into a dating podcast because, you know, I've, I just like dating is an evergreen topic. And I, I've heard about Spelman, like it's just the, like, I think it was Spelman. No, it was Howard actually. I think it was Howard, but I think it applies to Spelman, where like just the the like the woman just far. I don't think there's any like HBCU. Like, it's actually just, it's it's society. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, that's we'll get to that. But it's like, society. The, 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 yeah, the, the eligible woman just far outnumbered the eligible men. So like, what happens? The men just end up being kind of dogs, um, or just not uh, dogs. Might be a, a harsh. I don't want to hate, um, but it ends up being you know um, all over, a little, a little over. Well, yes, yeah, I'd love to hear about. But we could get to that later. So you did. So you were at, you were at Spelman. You did, you did this degree, but you would you go back to LA during the summers? Like how like how are you doing this dual track like college, but also like you're you're pursuing this other situation? So um, it was a really interesting time. This is uh, 2012, and Spelman thankfully is in Atlanta, and um, even still to this day, 
entertainment, it, it, it was actually, it's also kind of a part of why I chose Atlanta because I knew that I didn't necessarily have to leave entertainment per se. Um, music was there, production was kind of picking up there. And so because I knew people in the industry, people knew me, I, I actually came out of school. I came to school and I immediately got a commercial agent um, in Atlanta. Funny enough, I actually quickly left the agency. Like I actually was like, you know what? I, I had a lot of people who had to remind me that the entertainment industry is not going to go anywhere. And I've already been homeschooled and like, I don't have but a few years to be here and to try to enjoy my college experience. And so I decided not to pursue acting, but I did still explore a lot of different things in the entertainment industry. Um, even starting at school, I was like, okay, well, I know I love entertainment. I knew I liked to write. And I, even before going to college, I ran a, a lifestyle blog called Lips Unsealed. I had a YouTube page um, that I was working on with uh, Kofi Cerebo called Black Sheep TV. I was a creative director and producer there. And it was interesting because like, I was credited these things, but like, I didn't really know what these titles were. And I was doing them, but it was just like, we're just making stuff happen. It's the teams making things happen. So, you know, I I ended up, know, people know, knew me from the industry. So opportunities would just come like, hey, do you want to? Somebody asked me what I helped do a screening for some short film. I organized the screening. The screening ended up being for Akon's DJ. Akon was there like, who put this together? Like, and I was like, me, he's like, oh, okay. Like, what do you, like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in college, but like my background is kind of in this, that turned into a job. Um, because you, never I was know who's, you never know who's watching. Just that's You never know. I, you know, was doing just I, I, really any and everything. Um, I had a cousin who went to Spelman, who is a producer. Um, and she's, I say cousin, also black cousin, like not family, but close family. And I didn't even knew, I didn't even know she was a producer, but she knew that I would had, um, aspirations of the entertainment industry. And so she connected with a friend of hers who was producing a web series for BET called what's at stake. I became, um, uh, kind of a host. It was like a digital series that was like talking about issues that were at stake in our community. And then now after I went to being a host, they had me come to BET, um, out there. I also then got to produce one of the episodes, which led to me like, okay, this is what producing is like. And I'm working on the shoot schedule and getting the talent together and working with the crew. And um, that opportunity led me to meeting somebody else that led me to an event that led me to an internship at BT. So it just, because I had a little bit of entertainment acumen, as you will, if you will, I think a lot of things kind of, people would just give me opportunities or know somebody who needed somebody who was young, who they probably didn't have to pay that much. I was still a full-time student. Um, and so that kind of just kept me in the game really, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't really planning on doing that when I went to college. Like I planned, I was like, I was going to have a good four years and then I was going to move right back to LA and get back to acting. And through all of those experiences. Um, I did an advertising boot club and won a competition with Beats by Dre. Like it was just so many things. I was like, oh my God, there's so much more to this business than I even knew. And I like some of these other things and I'm good at some of these other things. And what it did, acting is a profession that if you're just solely an actor, just an actor, 
you only work when you book. That's when you work. And and there's so many other roles that allow you a little more agency, um, creativity, and that you can just, like I said, you can have certain, you, you can have agency. You still have to get some yeses, um, but you can get the ball moving on your own. You can start putting things together. You can do things for yourself um, that uh, some actors, some actors, you can see them now. They're writing and they're directing, but those are other jobs. But like, if they're just an actor, you're just waiting for a yes. Yeah, I was, uh, I, was into an, I was into an interview, like an old interview by a rapper turned actor and no, an actor turned rapper. And he said that the reason for that switch is because as a, as an actor, you have to, the things that, the very things that you're saying, right. You have to wait for somebody to write a script. You have to go, you have to audition. You have to get, you know, your agent has to kind of get you the audition. You have to, you know, do the chemistry read and all these things. You have to wait for, you know, uh, a director to get picked and then you shoot it. And then like many, many months later, or even you know years, you know someone edited, edited, and it gets put out. Versus, he said right. rapping, like he can, some he has a beat, he can hop in a studio right now, and you don't even have to go to a studio. People have those in their in their house. Exactly, like, he can, he can, you can, can do that on your own. Yeah, um, and so that's one thing I do love about writing. I mean, that wasn't really why I kind of ended up choosing it. It you know I, it was I wrote for this humor magazine in college, and I was just always interested in, in um yeah I guess I always like comedy um. But yeah, like it's something that you can like you don't have to like you can write a bomb script, right? Or you can, you know, you can start producing something. Like you don't have to like you you're right, like you have you have more agency. Um right. that's very, very true. And so you and that's also a very mature view to feel like, hey, you know what, this stuff isn't going anywhere. Cause I think that's one thing that people psychologically have a hard time doing. Is like <laughs> everything has to happen right now, right? It, it's very mature. It wasn't realize, even hey, not going anywhere. It wasn't even not going anywhere. It was to be very honest, by the time I came out of college. It was a matter of lifestyle for me. Do I want, I, I can act. I know that about myself. And I know that if given an opportunity, I, I can take it. But again, like I wanted to be more in control of my life. And, um, and I, I wanted to make, frankly, quicker money. Um, like I could go to a production company. I could go work behind somebody. Like it still takes a minute in this field to just kind of earn a decent income. But it could be way quicker than acting. Now, granted, somebody could literally come onto the scene and end up on a hit show in a day, and that happens. That does happen. It is more it does, but lightning it in a bottle, but it, does, but it is. Um, but it is rare. It is very rare. Well, that's an important thing to say because I think people, you know, people people listening, you say like, "Hey, like I will, you know, I, I didn't want to act. I wanted faster, you know, more money." People, I think people would be confused, but I think that's so true because if you think about like, um. One one thing that people joke about is that in LA, like you'll you'll always see someone used to date like on a billboard, but like that like an overnight success takes like five years, right? Like I think that even like ten, when I left, ten, five yeah, ten. is really ten, five is ten. five is slim. Like I think like Brad Pitt was like sleeping on he was like he was like a pool boy basically like he was you know for years and like I think John Hamm was basically like you know he was like sleeping on somebody's couch right like Michael everyone, B Jordan went to go get a job at Jack in the Box after the wire ended he went from being on a show so he could not work and he was not like he and he, like then people weren't even hiring him because like they were like you've been on a TV show you don't even like you don't have experience doing anything else like it, it it's <laughs> it is not um it's not the most transferable job. And frankly, depending on when you started this profession or just your background, 
Some people may come from spaces where they don't have any formal education. And this is the space they've kind of been in. And we do know, obviously, now, even more so than it was 10 years ago, where you can, you know, you can be trading or you can make, you know, make content online. 10 years ago, you still kind of needed a college degree. Um, So a lot of people who are like, I didn't do anything. I don't know what the fuck I was going to do. Yeah, we all we all now have this, you know, basically production studio in our pockets. It's like an iPhone, but back then, yeah, it, it wasn't. And, and even now, like obviously, we the part of the, the other one of the other results of us all having this production studio in our pockets. It's an iPhone. Is that anyone can kind of? It's a lot more competition to be kind of a self styled independent creator. So yeah, I think that um, that's very interesting. I think that that's so true. Like an overnight success. Like even when I think about like when I left, like, I left. You know, I was working on Wall Street and I started writing for Blackish like two weeks later, and I think everyone was like, "Whoa!" Like, wait, what? Like people who didn't really know me, but it was like, well, you know, it's like, oh, that's like an overnight thing. But if I think about it, I actually got on the Harvard Lampoon, which is like this humor magazine in like 09. And so like the, really the start of that journey, that was like a six year journey, which, you know, from that was 09 to 2015 when I got on Blackish. And then even if I think about like, you know, growing up and like being into like, you know, like I remember when I would be in a writer in, in meetings for shows, they'll be like, oh, like, you know, basically tell us your story, right? And like, you'd be like, how'd you start kind of getting into comedy? I used to always start it kind of, I would often start it like around college, like, oh, I joined this humor magazine. But then I was like, wait a second, like growing up, I watched like a ton of, I mean, obviously everyone watches cartoons. Like I watched a ton of like, I would watch the, like John Stewart and like Colbert and like yeah. Conan O'Brien and like, I watched Comedy Central a ton. And so I was like, wait, I've probably always had that. And then, you know, it's funny because when you said about, you know, I think the one thing that actors always do is they say, well, I've been performing my whole life. And everyone's like, well, I mean, we all have, right? Like everyone's grandma brings them out during Thanksgiving and says, hey, like do your dance for everybody. Or like, but like, you know, there is a level of like, if you kind of start peeling back the layers, you're like, wait, like this thing that I'm doing, it's always kind of been there in some form. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I think a lot of who we end up becoming, um, we always showed signs of it very early in some regards. Like you may not have, you know, it may not have been fostered, um, in in the way that some people are fortunate to have um but it, there's usually a seed and even for me i think i was able to kind of transfer over because i had a lot of I, I was doing a lot like i i, I look back and i'm like oh like I, when i was running my own blog i was creating content i was writing i was booking talent for interviews like and then that led me to doing the thing with kofi and it's crazy looking at our team now. It's Kofi. It's a um, an incredible DP, David Sutherland, who's um, worked with Steven Spielberg, uh, DJ Atron, who is an, a huge uh, DJ here in LA. Like our team, we kind of all were just doing things young, and like now watching it all as adults, I'm like, kind of been doing this. Stuff. Like we just like there were seeds planted for so so long, and sometimes a lot of our like unique personalities. Like I'm an organizer through and through and I love acting but truly like I love planning I like control and that is literally what a producer does. like you shepherd a project and you create the systems like that everyone's like what does a producer do I'm like we make things happen and like we sit between the creative process we separate between the operational process we orchestrate ideas we tell people what to do we get to hire people and I'm like I've been bossing people around my whole life. <laughs> well, you you have you, you have a, a younger. Are you the oldest? No, I'm in the middle. But 
I'm the oldest in my home. My older sister, um, we have a different mother. And so she was not in the home growing up. So I was the oldest in my home. So you were the, you were bossing people around, uh, back then? I was doing that in school on class projects. I, I've been, I've been taking the lead for things for a long time. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's always a seed there. I mean, it's also funny that we have all these like connections. So like, obviously like Yara, like me and Yara got really tight on Blackish, and then you, you ended up working with Yara. And then Kofi and I, like Kofi was one of the first people I met cause he was dating like a friend of mine. And then he ended up like, I had this brilliant, like, so when I was living in New York downtown, like close to the like world trade center or the financial district. When I moved to LA, I'm like, I'm not going to pay like New York and like LA rent. Like I was got this apart, like apartment. I was looking, you know, whatever in, in LA. And so I got, a t- I thought, my genius idea was to like, uh, okay, so I was Airbnb being my room, my room in New York and I was getting so much money that I was like, oh, I'll get a two bedroom in LA and it'll, I'll Airbnb the second room and it'll pay for itself. And lo and behold, like, it's like, wait a second, like when you're like a young man who like has their own place, like you don't want random people in and out, like for obvious reasons. And so I ended up, Kofi ended up moving in. So like Kofi was like my, my first like LA roommate. And it's like, obviously his, his trajectory has been insane. But yeah, I think like, I think that's one cool thing. And like two things I want to do about with this pod. One, I think like show people like, that there are like people's stories like yours um, and like how to kind of, you know, progress through, you know, entertainment, and all these different industries. Um, and also show them people that there are lots of different, um, you know, paths, not just acting. Uh, but I guess the other thing too, is that like, um, God, okay. It's like escaping me now. Um, oh yeah. That like, I want to like talk to people like, at like different points in their career. Right. Like I think that like, and, like people often like do the retrospective, like, 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 like an interview with Issa Rae now is like, Hey, like I made it. I'm Issa Rae. But like imagine interviewing Issa Rae when she was like doing uh awkward black girl. Right. When it's like, Hey, so it, right. you're, you're like, wait, YouTube is a site to like share funny videos. Like you're, you're doing like narrative storytelling on YouTube, you know? And then like maybe like a couple years, like I think that like there are all the people we know who have like, like you said, like the people who were with Kofi back then on that team, like everyone's kind of spreads out, especially like in black Hollywood over the past 10 years. Like when I moved, I remember it was like, um, you know, like uh, straight out of Compton was, was happening. And like, obviously blackish was in season two. And like, there, it was like this kind of inflection point for like black Hollywood and where everyone's kind of like spread out. And is like, you know, you'll, you'll like watch Instagram, like, Oh, that's Malcolm Kelly. Right. He was, you know, um, little saint in like, in like, uh, you got served. Like yeah. everyone's kind of like growing. And like, obviously Kofi, like everyone's like, kind of spread out and like is doing amazing things in all these different areas. And it's like, I want to be able to tell those stories like as they're happening, not like look, like not look back like 10 years later and be like, Oh, like tell it, like tell it like, at, you know, like have another conversation six months from now. I'm like, Oh, like what are you doing now? Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. So, okay. Back to your, so you, you left Spellman, you, you finished you, and you came right back to LA. No. So by the time I actually had finished college, I, I was really kind of like, I'm more interested in producing at that time. And I was also in a relationship and um, I graduated a bit early and I actually started my own production company. Um, So I was actually creating content for businesses throughout Atlanta, um, writing treatments, directing like commercials, things like that. So I was doing that. And at the same time, um, somebody approached me, her name is Janae Bolden. She approached me about auditioning for um, Bossit to do a daily like YouTube pop culture news update. And it's so interesting because I always get these opportunities and people kind of are attracted to me based on my personality, but don't know that like, I do this, like, I, like on camera work is something I'm trained in. So I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I can do this. And it's always like, people are kind of bringing things that they just don't know that this is my world. I've had commercial directors reach out and I'm like, yeah, 
I am a commercial actress. You know, I not only, I guess, have the look, but maybe what you're seeing or feeling is some of that experience. <laughs> and so I ended up um, not only working, having my own production company, but also um, doing this daily YouTube project with Goss Bossip. And that actually like paid my bills. Like, I mean, the production was took a minute to take off, but that was pretty lucrative for me. And that transitioned actually into a show on WeTV. So this is like 2015. I did that for about a year and a year and a half. And then we got um, green light, greenlit to do a show called Boss Up on WeTV. So it went from me to then it was I had a co-host doing the YouTube thing. And then we actually had a show on air um, around that we shot in 2017. So I did that. I did season one and I, at the end of season one, I actually went to Essence Festival and um, I was there kind of as an intern. Was it a girl's trip? Was it a girl's No, I went by my, I went by myself. So I got, I went because this was ahead of the show premiering and um, a friend was working with AT&T and asked me what I, because I kind of had the show coming on, things like that, would I want to go on behalf of AT&T as like an influencer and talk about my experience, like as a lead up to the premiere of the show. While there, I bumped into Mara Brockakill, who I had actually already met when I was in college. And she asked what I was up to, told her at the show coming out, XYZ. And um, she's like, oh, you know, I'm looking for an apprentice. Like, I want to kind of rear the next Mara Brockakill. Like, is that something you're interested in? I'm like, I'm interested, but I'm under contract. So, like, can't really do anything about that. That was like in July. I was still under contract for a couple more months for my season. I was like, so I can't really do anything. And um, I went while at Essence, I actually met Yara as well. Same Essence Festival. Um, but I went back to Atlanta. One of my, I talked to one of my former professors from Spelman and he shout out to Keith Bolden. He encouraged me to um, like put my name up for the Mara position, although she was looking to hire really fast. Um, he's like, you just never know. So I ended up doing that. That was like at the top, maybe late June, top first week of July. I ended up getting the role like the day my contract ended. Oh, wow. Like it, it was crazy. I think I, I think I got my role, maybe a little bit like my birthday was August 28th. I bought a new car. I'd actually renewed my lease. I got the call from Mara like September 1st. And then I had to be in LA by September 13th. And oh, wow. um, so that happened. Like that's actually what brought me back to LA. And I always said, like, I knew I wanted to get back. But by the, when I first went to college, I was like, I'm going back. And then based on how I told you, like quality of life, money, I was doing great in Atlanta. I had a great place. I had a luxury car. Like I was doing well. And I, you know, and I was not going back. To LA with no job, like I was not about to come to LA and be like a struggling, a, a, just just like. And I, funny enough, I still was very much struggling, um, but I at least knew I had a check coming in, and I knew that I had like I could support my livelihood. And I still, I um, I still actually did freelance jobs and things like that. But like that was what brought me back. And then I was with Mara um, throughout majority of the duration of Love Is. I was not there that long, a little over probably like half a year. Um, unfortunately, the show was canceled. And um, then I, she dissolved that it's company and started a new right? production it's company. It's a, a, scripted, it's comedy, a right? scripted, yeah, scripted dramedy, romantic comedy. Um, it was based on Wii on Mara. or where was it? It was on OWN. Oh, yeah, owned, yeah, yeah. Based on Mara and Selene McKill's love story. Really and this was like 2014? Show. No, this is 2017. Wait, 2015? 17. Oh, seven. Oh, okay. 
So it was so five years ago, I, about to be, yeah, I, I about to be six. That show. And I think that's when we met um, when I was there with Mara. And um, right after that, I ended up, um, I was actually let go, funny enough. Um, I'm not going to hold anyone. I Not only was I an apprentice, I was a all-around assistant. I assisted in the writer's room. I assisted with everything across departments, but I also assisted Mara very personally. So I was assisting with children. I was assisting like every part of her life. And she was like, you are not a good assistant. Like you are extremely creative and very talented in a lot of things. Like you are not good at this. And that was correct. Um, I was not. And so she let me go right before the show kind of was canceled. I think I, I stopped there in April. I think the show is canceled around May or June. Um, and then I took a few months. I actually ended up uh, finding enough, didn't want to move here with no job. I was unemployed and my mom encouraged me to apply for unemployment, just to like figure out what I wanted to do, take some, take a beat. And it was actually a godsend because unemployment, <laughs> they look at your past year income to determine how um, much you're going to get on unemployment. Well, I was making quite a bit on BOSIP. And so that was still within that same year. And so I actually was making more on unemployment than I was making as an apprentice. So I was comfortable for many, many months. I took like six months off and I was just chilling and figuring out like, what do I want to do next? Oh man, Republicans are going to hear this and be like, we got to cancel unemployment. Yeah. I mean, I had to apply for jobs. Like you have to, to be on unemployment. You have to actually like interview and stuff. I just wasn't getting anything. So, you know, I was absolutely wanting to look for, have a job. Like I didn't want to be unemployed at all. And here's the thing. You only get half of what you make. So like I was doing well, but I was not doing like, I still had a roommate. I had already downsized my luxury car. It was, a, it was an interesting experience, but um, I ended up running into Yarish and Carrie Shahidi at a black show same year. And they asked me what I was up to. I told them that I was trying to figure out what my next move was. And, um, from there we ended up just kind of building a rapport. We took a meeting, we took like a dinner meeting and they asked me like about my ideas that I had and we found a lot of synergy and I started consulting for them. Um, and I consulted for about two years and then right before the pandemic, they asked me would I come on to their production company as a, an executive. And they gave me the title of director of creative media, which for some people is like a creative director. She technically and for and actors, um, a lot of the creative directors are more of their stylists who build like the actual image of the person. I work on building the creative direction of the brand and like what those content pieces look like and those pillars for the brand. Yeah. That's so that's dope. how I ended up back in LA. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, lots of things to unpack. One, I, when you said that pe- when people were like, Oh, like, wow, like you do this, I've definitely had that experience. So since like I've had, I've done a couple of things where I've done with like written content, whether it's like tech or like NFT, like stuff like where I've written content. I remember someone was like, Oh, like, wow, this is really funny. I'm like, like, like writing copy, just, you know, writing stuff for the website or just, you know, brands and stuff uh i was like yeah like i like i am like i am funny like maybe like i i not like i i wrote for the simpsons man like i you know like i'm like i i can write like i do this yeah, i do like, this yeah like i can be funny on paper um and then you know what else i mean i think that there's so much to um like first of all like just the godsend i remember like like it's weird how the shahidis have like intersected both of our lives in like these weird uh yeah like almost like divine ways so like i met yard like I met Yara and Carrie for the first time twice, basically, because I don't know if I told you the story, but 
my first year working in New York after college, like I worked, you know, worked on Wall Street, and Nas was coming to um uh, to Harvard to the and he was gonna the Harvard Lampoon, which is the magazine that I wrote for, was gonna like host him for a little bit as part while he was there. And I was like, oh, like I was like, I'm going to see Nas. Like I was working, I was I had like a you know that one of those Wall Street kind of eighty hour a week investment banking jobs. But the secret about those jobs, like everyone's like you're working eighty hours a week, you are, but it's more like you're on. It's more like you're just on call. Like you're always kind of like you're expected to be available for 24-7 basically. And so I just like got on the bus, like the Bolt bus or whatever the bus is. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to Boston. And like hopefully my BlackBerry just doesn't, you know. I, I was kind of in this weird lull where I wasn't staffed on anything crazy. And I went down there. And so Nas was there. And like there's like this little girl and like the, her and like this other woman. And I spent most – because most of the other people – you know, undergrads are talking to Nas and like, I talked to him a little bit, but like, I just, me and this woman just started talking and then, you know, they wanted to kind of, uh, smoke. I mean, it's no secret that Nas smokes weed, so I don't know why I'm being worried about this, but they wanted to smoke. I don't smoke. And like, so Carrie and, uh, the, 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 the woman and the little girl were like, all right, like this is our cue to kind of leave. And like years later, we we're one of the first blackish table reads and I've been seeing Carrie around. I was like, yo, like you just look mad familiar. Like I just, and she's like, I was like, wait, were you at, like, we just realized, wait, we'd met before. Uh, Cause at, at that time, and like, it was just so funny. And then obviously since then, they just treated me, you know, like family. Um, and even like, I had a thing that I was writing, uh, I was up for this uh, pilot at TBS and they were like, oh, we'll tell, like it was at under mass appeal. And Carrie was like, oh, we'll tell Nas to put in a good word, put in word for you. And like the guy I was meeting with was like, oh yeah, like, yeah, Nas put in a good word for me. I'm like, and it's really one of those moments when we go back to talking about earlier where it's like, like I grew up, like I remember even like college, like. I caught up to Illmatic late. Like when I was in college, like, oh, I realized why everyone says it's like the greatest rap album of all time. This is amazing. And to be in a position like however many years later where Nas is putting, is like saying, yo, this is my guy I look out for. And I ended up getting that job. It was a, it was a TV show based on Biggie Small's childhood. But yeah, like it's so, mm. you know, it, it's like these, it's 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 just, you know, kind of crazy. Um, just, the, just the whole industry and just all these kind of these interconnections. Um but yeah, so then you so you worked with them uh, for years, um, and then yeah. after then after I guess you left semi recently, right? Now you're you're tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, um, well, I would say left. We just transitioned the relationship. Um, so I went from being a consultant to being full time to now I still consult, um, and I kind of work with them on a project basis. So that's amazing, but it, it definitely, um, opened me up to be able to do other things. Like when I, I've really been exclusively with Yara for about four years, um, which has been a dream. Like, I mean, I've gotten to see the world. They took me to Europe for actually my first, second, third, probably fourth time. Like I, I traveled the world with them. Um, I've made amazing content. We've done the Met and Chanel shows and just so many incredible things. Wait, did, you get, did, you, get to go, did you get to go to the Met? Or? No, what did, you know what, what did Drake say? You know they only get you two seconds yeah, to I was Met, about, but um, no, yeah, but I, I did thinking. get to I was like, whoa. Like, no, I got to I, produce, I, I got to produce and direct um, her Get Ready for Vogue and Dior. Wow. Um, yeah, that's so, amazing. That's and we amazing. got to, I got to drop her off at the Met. So I did get to see her getting onto the carpet and things like that, but I didn't get to attend the Met. Um, but I, I cool proximity to everything. And so, yeah, I, I um, transitioned back into um, kind of doing my own thing in end of January. Uh, since then I have created, produced and directed about 20 hours of education content for the company Skillshare. Um, I am leading social for a project Yara currently has called Yara Shahidi's Day Off. 
um, which I've is again, like that. I said, oh, yeah, I again, like, like I mentioned that I, I still am working with Yara. So that's, that's always family. It's always a great time to be able to come back and work with them. So I'm working on that. Um, I am gearing up to do, um, some branded content with, I, I can't speak too much on it, but, um, a really, really big retailer and I'll be producing and directing about 10 pieces of content for them for the holidays. And then I also, at the top of the year, um, re restructured my own production company. So I'm working, um, with you, um, and, uh, and a, a, a handful of really talented writers, um, on a couple projects, um, trying to get a couple pilots, to a good place so we can start taking those out. I also finished my pilot. I recently started doing stand-up comedy. I am in um, production of my own podcast. So it's um it's so crazy to go from a period where a lot of my life, or at least in the past several years, have been dedicated to serving and building a brand and and assisting, you know, the likes of an incredible producer and I learned so much and it's time right now to just apply it for myself and apply it for the slate of things that I have lined up and my own things that speak to me and figure out what stories I want to tell, um, get back in front of the camera as it is still something I love to do. And now I know every angle I've done marketing. I've seen production from pre all the way to post. I have been in front of the camera. And so as I'm building my company, I won't always wear all these hats, but I at least know what everyone does wearing the hats. And that's really important to be a leader. You, There is an empathy that comes with understanding what an existence responsibility is. And I've been that. There is, um, I understand what people are depending on a producer to do. I understand being on the side and seeing what it's like receiving notes on your own project. That's like, this is my baby and somebody's tearing it up. And so I, I, I feel like everything I've done over shit the last decade has led to this moment of like, it's time. It's time. It's, time, it's go time for everything that you kind of want to do for yourself. Um, Yara has always so eloquently put that I help her make her dreams come true, and that is one of the most. That is one of the kindest things someone can say, and that's literally what I, I've done for many people. And so now I am working to make my dreams come true. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like. It's like bringing other people's projects and like ideas to life. I was like, wait, like, let me bring my own to life. And I think that's one thing, like I have, I think the gift and the curse or a gift and the curse for me of kind of getting into writing and all that stuff. So sudden, like I, even like that story you were telling about, Hey, you know, getting the Mara opportunity and it's like, it's September 1st. And it's like, you start September 13th. That's kind of how blackish happened. Like I, and even the Simpsons, like blackish, I was in LA for a friend's, we are, we are our friend, Naja, um, a friend's birthday. Who I, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I had an agent. I told my agent, I'm like, hey, I'm in town for like a, a week, like a week or so. Just you know, set up some meetings if you if you can. And he had set me up uh, on a meeting with Kenya, me and Ken, and Jonathan Groff, who was the uh, not the Glee Jonathan Groff, but uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, who's also the showrunner of Blackish. And I think he's the showrunner of maybe Mo now or something, something like something like that. I have to check. I but um, yeah, we like we you know we just hit it off right. And they're like, oh, he, he wants to hire you. And then even the, the black uh, the growth uh, the Simpsons was, was even. Uh, more random because um like i was kind of like going to the airport for the holidays and my my agent was like hey um you know 
uh, I don't know, my agent was like, hey, like they want you to, um, oh, he's the producer of This Fool. Uh, I guess that's something different. Um, uh, Jonathan Groff is. But yeah, my Oh, producer, yeah, the Hulu show. Yeah, the, what's the, This Fool? It's like, it's like, I think it's like a, like a hood type of story. Mexican comedy, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like my agent was just like, oh, hey, they, the Simpsons wants to, like, you have to come back uh, soon because the Simpsons wants to hire you. And then, you know, most TV shows, there's like a meeting where you kind of like, they feel you out sort of and just make sure, because they've read you on the page, they, they, they know they like you. Uh, but a writer's room is like a submarine, like one kind of, it's like, you know, one poison, this person can kind of like ruin the whole thing. And so they kind of make sure that you're, you're okay. And then, um, but, you know, but the Simpsons, I just started, like, there was no like, Hey, there's a meeting. Uh, first of all, I hate that we call them meetings because, like, in any, in any other industry, they would be called interviews. Like, they're interviewing you, but we yeah. just like oh, it's a meeting. I mean, th- okay, there are like meetings, like Kenya and Anthony Anderson, like just went on a meeting, and, and like that's how Blackish was kind of. That's one one of the early days of Blackish because uh, they had the same manager, and they're like, "Hey, you two should meet." So that's like a, a that is a real meeting, but a lot of the stuff that we talk we call meetings in, in quote unquote the industry are really more like interviews. Um, but yeah, these things can just happen like all of a sudden out of nowhere and happen very quickly, but. It's like, uh, you know, at some point, like once you've done it for others, it's like, wait, I can kind of do this for myself. Like I've seen people build, yeah. a friend of mine started Twitch streaming and I need to get him on the pod, uh, Twitch streaming in like 2018. Like now he's like one of the biggest Twitch streamers in the world, you know, makes like $6 million a year. And so I think like, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's like a, a huge outlier, but uh, I think like doing like, that's one thing about LA. You, you really see people like the, like the person who like today, like owes you rent money, like in four years might be like a star of a nephew, you know, like literally like, you know, might be on the side of a bus. Right. And so it just shows like, Hey, if you just really, if you have a vision and you just really commit to it over a period of years, um, you know, it can really become huge. I think my, sometimes I like, because I've had, like I said, those, those random, like, Hey, uh, this hit TV show wants to hire you. You, you can start tomorrow. I forget like, you know, when you're doing your own thing, it's a much slower, it's a much, much more of a slog, right? Like you're like building it brick by brick. Um, but Okay, so that's where you are now. Um, as we start to wrap up, I I'm I was only half kidding that this is gonna eventually be a dating show. So I feel like East like Issa Rae insecure is about like I feel like two things. One, I feel like I don't know if it's the pandemic, but I feel like millennials, like people who are in that like nineties babies, like or, you know, like ninety, like basically not Generation Z, but like nineties and late eighties, all like decides to just start getting booed up and didn't tell anybody like, i feel like <sighs> all the people i don't feel like anybody started not telling people i think that because we're in such a surveillance culture and because we are in this sharing culture people feel like no one's telling people it's like we don't know these people i know that everybody in their real life knows that they're dating someone. And obviously, as we saw from Issa's wedding, plenty of people were at her wedding. So they clearly knew she was engaged and all these things. I think it's like, because so much of the culture is now sharing, 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 we find it weird. We don't know things. <coughs> okay, so but that's not, so what I meant more so is that like, I feel like people like my age, people like in that, kind of millennials basically, like younger millennials, if you want us like flex, like, like let's say like three years ago, the flex, or maybe like three, four years ago, if you wanted to kind of flex, you would kind of post like standing on a table with bottles. You're kind of, you got a, a lot of baddies around you. And I feel like literally overnight, the flex became like 
matching pajamas. Here's me and Bay on vacation. Like maybe we might even have a. We're kid grown. We've grown up. But That's I what think, happened. We grew up. I agree, but I, like, but I feel like it's the biggest dogs. Like I feel like some of the people, like it's like, well, I like you were a dog. Like not even in a battery, but like, you were like the guy who was like you were the dude who had the the party that like the you know like whether it's like New York, it's like dude who had the party in the apartment in Harlem that everybody would go. So like you were like kind of like the dude who was who was out here in these streets. And it's like, well, you got like two kids, like you're making reels with your daughter. Like, it's Shout like, well, out like, to Drea. You can erase your honus. You can erase yes, your honus. Yeah. And people so, are growing up and I love to see it. I love to see it, but I feel like nobody told me. Like my beef is that I feel like- You missed out? Me. Yeah, I just feel like, wait, like it's like, everyone's like, it's, it's like, imagine when you see your, like back in the Snapchat days, I guess Instagram story too, but like those nights were like, you'll see, I mean, it was, this happened to me more, maybe more often than most people, because like all my friends in LA were like kind of women. Because you know, I was like, I think you get friends mostly from like school, church, and work. And like, I wasn't in school. Obviously, I was working. Um, I unfortunately, uh, sorry, mom and dad, I wasn't going. I don't really attend church like that. And then my work, you know, blackish, like all the other writers were for the most part in there. You know, older. It yeah, it was a show about uh, parenting, and so you know, and also like to be fair, like if you're like we're talking about these parties and stuff like you can't show up to certain places with a whole bunch of dudes um so you know you it's like when you see all your friends hanging out without you it's like well like why did no one told me tell me that we were going to like such and such tonight i feel like that's what happened with like dating i feel like everyone like people were like just like well like you got matching pajamas like so like that's it's like that's the new I'm way I feel, like, I feel like that's the new flex like the new fle- like the flex used to like i feel like but i feel like it happened on the drop of a dime where, like the flex like the same dudes who like like yo did like I got my arm like here's I'm at the club. I'm I'm just out here. Like I'm in these streets. Like I feel like it's an internal clock. Like I feel like internally, like something like there went one day that I cared about being in the club and then it was like I I'm I don't have matching pajamas, but I do have a onesie I wear with myself. And like it was just like, oh, 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 like yeah, like out of nowhere, I would be in the club and like, I'm too old for this. Like, why wow. am I here? I mean, so and I, I was feel never, like maybe maybe it hasn't happened to you yet. Maybe your no, internal no, 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 clock no. has not. Whoa, whoa, whoa! On. Let's let's rewind. So I was I've never been a club person because in Houston people shoot at the club. Um, so I've never been a club person, and I even like the club was loud. But like 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 in LA, like I was obviously like like I said when I first moved, I was sucked into that whole Hollywood like hide and you know Bootsy Bellows and Hooray Henrys and like oh like the, the the scene. But like even that, like I don't I don't um like I don't love the club I, it, it was just funny to me like where i would see people kind of just like like it felt like that's like if you want to kind of show off and look cool and like if, like if you wanted to stunt on people like four years ago if you were like you know our age it was like to show off like you're you got like high, like you're just you're really in these streets like you got you know you got basically you have quote-unquote hoes like having hoes was like the cool thing and then like overnight it's like having a girlfriend who a you go on trips with and like a child and I just think yeah. it's funny how quickly that happened. And then the other thing about dating, um, before you have to go out, um, is, is it that hard? Is it that bad? Like, I feel like insecure. I feel like my experiences with black women, especially like late twenties, early thirties, especially in LA, they talk about it. Like it's this horror story. It's just like, like, I do not want to have to tell another nigga my favorite color. Like I'm sick of it. Like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like, is it that bad? Is it that hard as a, as a successful black woman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's because I think so many of us desire equally yoked partnership. And as women become more successful, our pool of men decreases. For a lot of men, you may not actually care if they're equally yoked or not. Are they cute? 
Are they whatever? And so your pool, as you become more successful, just increases. Like the women are coming by the boatloads and the even, you know, potential suitors, like it's really limiting. And in many ways, you're probably uh, settling in some capacity, but I still think it can be fun. Like I, I, I won't, I won't go out and say like, it's miserable. Like I still have a lot of hope. Um, I still enjoy dating. Um, more often than not, I do get fairly annoyed and I'm like, I did not, I did, this was a waste of my time. This is a waste. Like we are not on the same level at all. And God. Okay. Three, sorry to cut you off. You have to go soon. Uh, three quick things. Where you like to, best place to meet somebody, like whether you know, it's an online or in person and like app, uh, best date, worst date. Okay. Quickly. Let's see. Okay. Best place to meet someone. Um, I say at a mutual friends. I think that's the best way. It's agreed, the best agreed. place. Um, although I've met some really interesting people online. Um, but I know typically if I'm looking for equally yoke, I can probably, I'll probably meet them amongst friends. Um, best date. <laughs> I went viral for this. Um, I went on this walking date during the pandemic and it was no place to like go. So we grabbed some tea or coffee and we just walked around Eagle Rock. And it wasn't even like an incredible date as much as like the conversation was just so good and stimulating. Um, worst dates. I had somebody bring me like literally rings on a first date, like boxes of rings. Like diamond rings? Like what, like what kind of rings? No, not even. No, I wish. Um, no, like cheap little cheap gold rings um, i think his sister had like an instagram great. boutique the, and the, like, I, I heard horror stories and, and wanted me to call his grandmother like talk to his grandmother on facetime oh, i thought you were about to say call call his uber because i've heard stories of like oh the guy asked me to call his uber like you know i've heard those type oh, of i mean i've definitely i've asked people have asked me like i went to a date on a creation and this guy asked me to go to you know get a smoothie and i'm presuming like okay cool like i'm good with a light lift date like it's not gonna spend a lot we're just gonna get to know each other and we order and we're standing at the front and the woman's like anything else anything else and he's like no and so after what felt like an hour I finally pulled out my card to pay the $20. That's and he's like, card. oh, okay. I, he's like, I can sell you. I was like, okay, well, if he sell you, I mean, well, he didn't ever sell me, but also you waited five minutes. You clearly had no intentions of paying. Yeah, that's So awkward. don't okay. have intentions of paying now. All right, rapid fire before you quickly head out. Um, okay, so that, oh, yeah, quick thing. Yeah, the, the pandemic, I, I went on a hiking day during the pandemic and it turned into like one of my, long, like a very long and very serious relationship. So, kudos to the to pandemic dating um okay and like moment where you've been like yo pinch me like i can't believe i'm really in this room like you know where you're like I, wow I, 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 that moment and then moment we've been like oh wow, i really belong i'll give two quick ones i remember early like sometime in 2016 it was like my first it was like maybe like second time at drake's house and it's like me drake and like party next door and we're just like talking i'm like outside i'm like wow this like this is literally my playlist well especially drake but like my playlist from college like we're just having a conversation and then pinch me i can't believe i'm in this room probably that like la reed Ush, like we're at LRE's house was like Usher, Scotty Pippen, Kim, Kanye, and Chloe. No, Courtney, Courtney. Um, but what's yeah, your your pinch me I don't, I, don't, I belong. Um, um Yeah, you can't say it. it's too it's too uh No, it's nothing. Like I don't have a pinch me. I have that's no pinch that means me you, you, you all, well, that's because you were and, even there since you were thirteen. So you Yeah, you I'm like and I belong. Around. 
I belong. Um, mm, I was at a party in college and I was dancing and Janelle Monet, who is a, a good friend, she's like, that's one hell of a woman. And they invited me to their house. Like it's all of Wonderland's like a compound. And um, that became kind of like my safe haven during college. Wow. Um, so I would say that's like one of my like, oh, I belong here. Like it was literally became like my one place of refuge. Okay. Final question before you can tell the people where they where they can find you. Um, thing you're most proud of that you worked on. I think for me, it's probably The Simpsons. I guess Blackish. I mean, well, I don't want someone to see this and be like, oh, you're not proud of Blackish. I think obviously I am, but The Simpsons obviously has this like iconic thing. Everyone's like, oh, legacy. Yeah. Thing. I mean, those are both. You've been, yeah. you've been a part of some legacy. Um, I honestly, I am very proud to just have served the Black women that I have. There's not a one singular project, but to be able to uplift their work, their stories, their vision has been um, one of my greatest honors. Amazing. And where can people find you? Like online. And I guess you can find me everywhere. You went on Twitter, right? You went on on Twitter. Yeah. You can find me. You can find me on Twitter for who knows how long at Mara Chance, M A U R A C H A N Z. And I'm Mara Chance across everything. My website is Mara Chance. Um, My email is Mara at Mara Chance. Everything, any place you can find people, I am Mara at Mara Chance. All right. Yeah. Send her all your amazing scripts and she's going to have the next. just gigantic production company. Um, but thank you. I'm trying. Uh, of oh, course. I'm, I'm excited. This is, I haven't done a podcast in a minute. And uh, what greater than to do one with my, my good friend. So yeah. And she's very busy. Here and thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. She's very busy. She has a, she has a meeting probably right now. I do, so, um, I do have right. a meeting literally in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Later. Thanks. <laughs>